Welcome to the Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. I'm Katie Stewart, and alongside my co-host, Chris Brown, we're here to guide you through your acne journey and empower you to tackle your breakouts from its very root. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. So stick with us because together we'll unravel the mysteries of acne and unlock the secrets to a life filled with confidence, healthy skin, and endless possibilities. This is the Clear Skin Chronicles where we leave no blemish unturned. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of the Clear Skin Solution where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. And I'm Chris Brown, Registered Holistic Nutritionist and Program Director inside the Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. In today's episode, we're going to dive into gut imbalances, all about that intestinal permeability, that lower surfacing underlying things you can't see why we're more bacteria than human DNA. We're going to give you some actionable tips on how to start to reclaim your gut microbiome. Of course, I can't leave out my personal favorite. We're going to talk a lot about poop. One thing I want to say though, right off the hop, is your acne is most likely not hormonal. And I know this can be kind of like a jarring statement. We're like, no, no, like my acne is hormonal. I just have to balance my hormones. But what so many people don't realize is that your hormones rely on the health of your gut and your liver. So when we're today, we're going to be specifically focusing on gut health and how it can actually be implicated into, you know, air quote, hormonal acne. So Chris, we see this all the time with their clients in the clear skin solution. They're like, no, no, no. I just have hormonal acne. I don't need to work on my gut health. So when we talk about gut health, I really want to be digging into what that all encompassing term means. Like when we dig into gut health, like what are the imbalances there, but also how are they impacting hormones in the long run? That's a biggie because when we tell people, oh yeah, we're not going to just jump into hormones right off the bat. It's like we do, we get the gasp, right? (gasps) What's going on? Why not? At the end of the day, when we have inflammatory conditions, when the gut isn't happy, things like estrogen or testosterone, they can kind of hide out. I won't get too geeky, but I mean, Katie, you know, estrogen, detoxification, we need to have poops. Testosterone, same kind of thing, right? It's not so much about the poop, but we have to make sure that not only are we eliminating, but we have the avenues. If we have high gut inflammation, testosterone, a lot of cascading effects like the 5-alpha-DHT can start to drive up. And that gives us androgenic-like behaviors, but yet our androgens might be okay. Testosterone might be okay. So absolutely, we need to get into that gut health and look at that first because how many practitioners have you met? Have I met? Have like um, We network all the time. Get rid of the inflammation. Hormones have a chance to self-regulate. If we don't allow, this is what I think we do totally different in the clear skin. We allow the body to try and act on its own in between protocols, in between sets, in between times. And that's ideal because that inflammation needs to come down first. What's the body doing now? Oh, 
this is what it's doing. Fantastic. Let's go into this now. Yeah, because we know that inflammation is at the core root cause of acne. Like inflammation is at the core of so many diseases, including acne. And where do we start reducing inflammation? We have to start reducing inflammation at a gut level because the gut really is, I like to give that house analogy, right? The gut is the foundation of the house. You cannot skip skip over to the liver, which are essentially your walls, and then your hormones, which is essentially the roof without a solid foundation. Because guess what? If you're no, if there's no foundation, your walls are going to come are going to come crumbling down and your roof is not going to be staying up there for too long. So we really need to start at the gut level, reducing inflammation. Now, what is also very interesting is that you don't need to have those classic digestive symptoms to have poor gut health. Like Chris, how many times have you heard someone say, oh, no, 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 no. I like, I don't have any digestive issues, so I don't have poor gut health. But listen, if you have acne, we can almost guarantee there is some type of poor gut health going on. For sure. If you've had any disease, illness, disorders, if you've had chronic UTIs or not, right? Even something like mono or repetitive respiratory infections as a child, teeth that ache or have to be pulled. I mean, this is all gut related. There are many times I'm on intakes or dealing with clients and they're like, yeah, I had to get this tooth pulled. And I'm like, oh yeah, well that's connected to your small intestine. That makes sense. Cause look at your history, look at here. And when you map it out for them, they're like, I had no idea. And I love these aha moments because once they get off the calls with us and once they do even their functional test, their tests, or when they have these tech points with us, you know, dealing with us in DMS, they understand And I get, this is kind of the classic, Chris, you just validated. I'm not crazy. Oh my gosh. When they say that, I'm like, yes, you're right. You are not crazy. Cause that's what happens is so many women, they've gone to their medical practitioners, uh, you know, with these symptoms, whether it's their painful periods, headaches, acne, whatever those symptoms are for them, fatigue, energy, they get told it's part of being a woman. It's part of getting older. It's part of being a mom. It's part of, you know, having kids, all of those just blanket excuses, which then leaves the individual thinking, okay, I'm, I just, I must be crazy. Like I just, this is how I am. And this is no, it's not never going to change when in fact, these are symptoms of bigger rooted issues and that all like all roads lead back to the gut. Like that is the same. So when we break this down, I want to talk, uh, touch on a number of things in the gut health world, because when you hear the term gut health, the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people is a probiotic. Oh, I just need to take a probiotic and all of my gut issues are going to be solved. I so wish that was the case, right? Like that would make life so much easier easier for you, for me, and for all the clients if they just had to take a probiotic to repair all of their gut issues. So things I want to dig into is I want to first start with digestion because digestion is so important. Like in the clear skin solution, this is where we start because if you're not digesting, what happens, Chris? How are you absorbing? How are you using nutrients for energy? Hello, fatigue. How are you using nutrients to repair your bone structure, your tendons, aches and pains, right? If we're not using our nutrients, if we're not absorbing our nutrients, how do you expect to feel good? Brain fog. Your right? body can't run. Like the, the food you are eating 
is fuel for your body to run. So if the fuel is coming in, but it's not able to absorb any of it into the tank, you're going to be running on fumes and you're going to be feeling really, really crappy in a number of areas throughout the body. So Mm -hmm. for our clients, when we see that they are struggling with digestion, maybe they're dealing with bloat, maybe they have constipation, maybe they're dealing with diarrhea. They have, like you said, the fatigue, all of these markers actually tell us that, hey, we need to be looking at that gut. So when we're looking at constipation and diarrhea, I think this is a really important thing to lay out for is how is this connected to acne? Because anytime I talk about poop, as we know, it is our most popular blog post, real Facebook, like you name it, whatever platform it is on, it is the most popular topic. Mm-hmm. And I remember back, maybe it was last summer, we had a post on why poop causes acne and it went semi-viral. Like I think we had like 10,000 or 15,000 likes on it, but then you got that pocket of people that didn't understand the connection between they're like, there's no way that because I don't poop, it's causing my acne. Well, yeah, it is. So let's lay out and make those connectors of how constipation and diarrhea can show up on the skin as acne. Ooh, Ooh, I know. Favorite topic is poop. Uh, I have to love it. Right. Even when I'm teaching, I am like right in there. Okay. So constipation, diarrhea, two, obviously bristle stool chart, two different factors. We have the rabbit poop and then we have water. That's kind of how it looks. But neither and nor are going to do anything. One, we're going to have trouble absorbing nutrients both ways. Two, just because we have the raging diarrhea doesn't mean that we don't have bacteria overgrowth because they, people, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm getting flushed. It's flushing. No, it's the culture's flushing, right? So the longer that your poop hangs out in your intestinal cavity, the longer it has to touch the intestinal wall. And that that's what, in fact, creates that inflammatory response. Then... We create that perfect breeding ground, that host site for the bacteria, the yeast, the fungals, whatever it is, we're culturing because again, we are more bacteria than human DNA. That's what people have to understand. When you are more bacteria than human DNA, we need to make sure that your filtering organs are open and that your digestive system is working because who are we repopulating? The mean girls, you know, nobody wants to relive high school. Right? They are seeing girls of the body. It's like when you get that imbalance in the microbiome in your body, that's where we're having some big issues. Like when we're, we're looking at the constipation and diarrhea. So when it comes to that constipation, of course, if we're not, what we're not pooping out is going to end up on our skin, right? You're essentially pooping out of your skin, which is a really gross analogy, but it, it really gets the point across because your colon is part of your detoxification system. It is getting rid of all of the excess, you know, toxins and hormones and waste, whatever the body doesn't want, it's flushing out of the colon. But if you're not having a healthy bowel movement every single day, well, guess what? All of the excess hormones and toxins and garbage that your body's trying to get rid of, they start to reabsorb back into your body. They head back to your bloodstream, which heads back to your liver. So now we're dealing with a even bigger inflammation in the body. We have more toxicity in the body and we're contributing and causing further hormonal imbalances just because we haven't pooped. 
Like that's really what it comes down to is we're not getting rid of the things we need to. And when it's sitting there and then the liver gets overloaded and we're not pooping it out, the body's like, okay, skin, you're next up on the detoxification train. So we're sending all this backlog that we're trying to get rid of to your pores and they're going to get inflamed and they're going to lead to breakouts. So this is how not having those healthy bowel movements is going to lead to the breakouts on your skin. And then on the other side of it, when we're dealing with the diarrhea, we're not absorbing any of the nutrients at all. So our body's going to be really sluggish. We're not going to be able to run properly. So those are really the two big ways that the bowel movements have such an impact on the skin. And that's the last, that's the exit point of digestion. Mm -hmm. Like I've already said, and I do it all the time, right? Mouth first, you know, down the, the pipes, into the stomach, into the you know, the small intestine, all of these things. The key here is what I look for first, Katie, is when we're having that raging diarrhea, where the heck is our stomach acid? Mm -hmm. That's a major one. I'm not saying we don't have stomach acid with constipation, but because raging diarrhea at a chronic level, where do you think the bacteria is just hanging down in the lower intestinal cavity where it's supposed to be? Or do you think it's now hanging out in the stomach? Probably it's gone into that small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. That's where we want to look at. So at this point, and I'm not saying for all cases, for those people that are listening going, oh my gosh, did she just, I'm not diagnosing, we don't do that. (laughs) I'm just going to put a disclaimer in there. But we have to look at that. And we have to look at digestive enzymes. And why the heck can we not break down our foods? So constipation, diarrhea, why aren't we breaking down our foods? And where's the bacteria at this point? Is it supposed to be where it is? And we see that all of the time, right? Is it's never just one gut issue. It's not like you just have an ergo overgrowth. You're just dealing with hypochloridia, sorry, low stomach acid. There's always a combination of gut factors and usually multiple of them. So for our clients that are coming in, they're like, you know, I poop two times a week, um, you know, I'm not digesting things. I get bloat. So that's where we need to be digging into is, okay, okay. Do you have enough stomach acid to be breaking your food down? Because if we don't have enough stomach acid, one, we're not able to absorb all of the nutrients that we need Mm -hmm. Two, that food can sit there in the gut, start to putrefy and ferment. And guess what that does? It leads to a perfect little smorgasbord for all of the opportunistic, bad bacteria and yeast in your gut to feed on. They're like, oh, Hey, they just brought in a whole buffet for us. Let's feed on this and we're going to overgrow. So this is where we can start to see how the low stomach acid can be implicated into a candida overgrowth. So really digging into what's going on with our stomach acid, what's going on with the enzymes in your gut, and are we dealing with a specific type of overgrowth? Maybe it's candida, maybe it's SIBO. Right. Maybe it's also the fact that our stomach, which is supposed to be acidic, goes more alkaline. And that too, beautiful breeding ground for what we don't want there. And if we have a more alkaline-like stomach where our digestive parts are supposed to be acidic, then what do you think happens into our lower gastrointestinal area, right? That's supposed to be mildly alkaline. Boom, they're switched. So now we have an alkaline stomach and an acidic lower gastrointestinal area, and we're just living the life for the mean girls. Like now we're just bringing their coffees to them. We're hand delivering their snacks. Yeah. Like here, let me drive you. Let me drive you to school. Let's go. (laughs) 
right? So that's what we have to look at. So when we're looking at underactive stomach, and you know, that's what we say, that low stomach acid, we're looking at that excessive belching and gas and burping and bloating, tired after meals. What about supplementation, getting nauseous? Zinc is a big one, uh, zinc and iron. That's a nice little indicator there. Undigested food in the stool. So if you are having bowel movements, ah, what about the people that have bowel movements, Katie? Do they still have gut issues? Asterix. I love this because I will will also hear, oh no, I go to the bathroom every day, so I'm not constipated. Okay, well, let's dig into that. Is where on the Bristol stool chart? And for anyone listening, just go to Google Bristol stool chart. You ideally want to be a type three or a type four. Mm-hmm. Or type one or two, that means you're constipated. So if we're getting ra- little pellets coming out, rabbit poops, it's coming out in, in clumps where we're not having a smooth bowel movement. So remember, the bowel movement should be one smooth, long, snake like sausage movement with minimal cracks in the surface. It shouldn't be coming out in, you know, big clumps all stuck together. It shouldn't come be coming out in a bunch of, you know, rabbit poops. If there's any straining involved, if you're in the bathroom for 10, 15, 20 minutes, these are all indications that you are also chronically constipated. So you can still be having a bowel movement every day and, and yes. be chronically constipated. When you get off that toilet, or maybe this is graphic, but as that poop is naturally sliding out of the anal cavity... You should be like, oh yeah, like it should feel complete. You're wiping. It shouldn't have lots of residue on the tissue, right? These types of things. You are in awe. You just had the best date. You just had your children go to bed on time. Whatever floats your boat. That just that is I'll what take the children in bed on time, please. Oh, for two hundred dollars, I'll take that one. I'll take the hot date. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. Um, so, but yeah, so this is what we have to look at. I mean, clients, I had a client, she's just graduating now. Bowel movement once every 30 days. That's a warning, warning, run to your practitioner. If you are going to the bathroom Less than once a day, that's an issue. If it starts to get down to two to three times a week, okay, this needs some attention. And if we're at once a month, that is like, where is your poop going in your body? All of that food that you're eating, think, where is it going? And let me tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe her acne. For people that want to tell me bowels and gut have nothing to do with acne. She came in and her face was imploded with acne. It was cystic. It was pustule. They were large, large, not white, but yellowish hue of the pus. There was red beaming skin all around that, in fact, emanated to other parts of the body and in between. So her face was relatively very red. It had active pus, acne cystic under the skin, just waiting for the erosion. And it was starting to go down her neck. Happy to report, you know, when you get that DM when she's when, when your client and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm kind of poop. And I'm every three days. This is so exciting. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, you wait, we're going for daily. And they're like, daily. So excited. And then she has daily bowel movements, if not two now. 
Her skin no longer has that stagnant because pustules tell us there is cold. It's stagnant. Things aren't moving. Hello, bowels. Hello, digestion. My gosh. Okay. You know how excited I get about poop. And so like, I'm going to calm down, but I mean, essentially not just this client, but just saying when I see this, because I see, I mean, how many cases, right? How many cases of clients? Like we're, we were very blessed to have what we have and being able to work with all these ladies, because then we get to ooze out that expertise, but I don't panic. Remember when you first started and we, we would panic? Oh yeah. When you first become a practitioner and you're like low key panicking every time you get a new client, but we we've been doing this. So we're, we're past the panic stage. Yeah. So I don't panic. I look at it and I'm like, I can't wait to deliver the tools so that you can apply the work and together we can get the gut health. We can get the acne. We can get the inability to, I mean, process your food, right? All and of these things. Like now that when you go from pooping once a month to pooping every day, like that is like literally life-changing. You're having more energy. You know, you're not feeling bloated and heavy. Like think how much poop you're holding in your intestinal tract if you're not going to the bathroom every single day. So you just feel literally lighter because you are lighter. There's no, there's no poop stuck inside. So being able to really clean up the bowel movements, which when we peel that back, we need to be looking at, do you have adequate stomach acid? And um, I forget what year the study was done, but there was a study done that showed over 60% of acne sufferers had low stomach acid. And you could, here's another little tidbit pro tip is if you have heartburn or GERD, you most likely have low stomach acid. So taking all of these blockers is just pouring fuel on the fire. So you really need to know before you go and take any of the GERD and heartburn medications, do you actually have high stomach acid or are you dealing with low stomach acid? And Chris, I'd love for you to fill in on how low stomach acid can be leading to GERD and heartburn. For sure. So when we have low stomach acid, it's we need mucus in our stomach lining in order to help prevent things like ulcers because your body naturally produces hydrochloric acid. So when you hear that word acid, please don't panic. Of course, we don't want you taking it on your own and stuff. You do need to be watched by somebody that has that professional understanding of what's happening. But when that low stomach acid happens, it's there immediately the Western philosophy is, oh my gosh, you have too much stomach acid. You're going to burn it out. You're going to take away all your mucus. You're going to create yourself an ulcer. And (laughs) Katie and I sit back and we're like, chuckle, chuckle, or is it right? The plot twist. So what we look at is that GERD is actually telling us, no, no, no. As long as there's no ulcer, okay. Pre pre disclaimer, as long as there's no ulcer present or prehistory, it's saying to us, you don't have enough stomach acid. This is why the food in your stomach is trying to break down protein needs, hydrochloric acid, or it's not going to. And that's what creates putrefaction in your lower intestinal cavity, hollow bowels again. So if we don't have enough stomach acid, we can't break down our proteins. We can't separate our fats from our foods, from the proteins inside there. And for sure, we don't have the right environment to make, even though I say all the time, we have to chew for the poo, right? You have to chew your food properly, but now we're overworking the stomach. If we have low hydrochloric acid, which dissipates with age and stress, who doesn't have stress these days? 
Which acne sufferer doesn't have stress? Which acne sufferer does not have stress, right? So let's look at it that. And then all of a sudden it starts to build up that acid lake because it's trying to, it's trying to, it's taking forever. And then boom, up the esophagus, heartburn, indigestion, acid reflux can sit at the base of the neck, have that nausea. What's it telling us? It could be telling us hello, can we check our hydrochloric acid levels, please? Can we check our pepsin? Can we check digestive enzymes? What's going on here? Yeah, in order to be breaking that food down. And then in conjunction with the hydrochloric acid, the low stomach acid, we also see, I would say, one of the biggest issues with acne sufferers is an overgrowth of candida or bacteria like a SIBO in the gut. So with candida though, is it's a yeast that naturally lives on and in the body. It's part of our body's happy little ecosystem. The issue occurs when it overgrows. Now, when a candida overgrows, this can happen from use of antibiotics, specific medications, alteration of the gut microbiome, low stomach acid, poor food choices. So many things can lead to an overgrowth of that candida. And when we're dealing with candida, one of the symptoms it can lead to is acne. So Chris, because this is such a prevalent issue and we're constantly running um, protocols to rebalance the gut microbiome, how does an overgrowth of candida lead to acne on the face? Because I know that can be a big disconnect for a lot of people. Yeah. And we use that candida and that yeast. It's not just isolated, but I mean, to go into all the molds and the parasites and everything, I mean... I don't know anyone that doesn't have a parasite. They can live for two, three years, years, years in your body. But when we're looking at the yeast, it cultures. Again, a little sidebar here for clients that, or potential clients or people listening for UTIs. In our world, yeast overgrowth, yes, the UTI is not a distension from yeast overgrowth. In fact, we already know we have an yeast overgrowth when we have UTIs because that's more of that chronic yeast overgrowth and we have to go in there. Um, But how it's connected to acne in a quick little nugget for other people is when you go and you have summer months or warmer months or the sun and you go out, what's your acne doing? Oh, my acne clears and it looks so good in the summer. Bacteria on the skin. So where did the bacteria come? Well, we know we're bacteria. But when you have an overgrowth, it has to ooze out as well, right? So those yellow pustules, real good indication. If they're yellow, we might have that. Um, As it backs up and it starts to go through the body, we have a thing called leaky gut, right? That's like leaky gut, candida, low stomach acid. I would say this is the- Bam, bam, bam. This is the trio that we see most often, leaky gut, low stomach acid, and candida together. And that connection is if we're dealing with low stomach acid, that's going to, again, allow the yeast to over the yeast to overgrow in connection with having taken antibiotics and the food that we're eating. All of these choices lead to that perfect storm. So we have low stomach acid, our yeast was overgrown and our stomach acid can't keep it at bay. And then what's interesting is candida overgrowth and low stomach acid can also be culprits behind leaky gut in connection with our dietary choices, alcohol, pesticides in our food, medications that we take. And what's really infuriating to me is so often the medications that are being being used to treat acne, the pill, antibiotics, Accutane, these are all doing a huge, huge disservice to your gut health. 
They are altering your gut's microbiome. They are uh, contributing to leaky gut. So when in fact, instead of helping the acne in the long run, those medications are really making your acne worse because they're impacting the core root cause of why you have gut or the core root cause of why you have acne. And that is poor gut health. So is this a good time to chitty chat a little bit about antibiotics? Ooh, let's, yeah, let's do antibiotics. And then we got to talk leaky gut because that's a really big one. Well, I'm going to talk in about antibiotics, the contributor to leaky gut. Mm -hmm. So antibiotics, there's a time and place. Absolutely. Can be life-saving. If I have a a fall off from a bacterial infection, you give me those antibiotics. Yeah. Um, Leading cause of death, right? Overprescribing. So I'll leave that little nugget alone. However... (laughs) With antibiotics, here's the thing. It kills the good and the bad. One foul swoop. It's a nuclear bomb for your gut. There you go. And it sounds great. And this is why a lot of acne sufferers sufferers go, oh, my skin was so good. And then Chris, four, five months, if they're lucky and they're like, it came back with a vengeance. Vengeance. I'm like, so let me explain this to you. It goes in, it slaughters. If we already have an imbalance, of dysbiosis. So we have more opportunistic bacteria than beneficial. What do you think the chances and the survival rate of the beneficial? See you later, alligator. It's out your bum. Bye. At this point, you finally pooped, but you pooped everything good, right? But the opportunistic bacteria, they have this little, oh, it's like a biofilm. They almost have like a shield sometimes. So when you take an antibiotic, you've heard of antibiotic resistance, antibiotics go in, the bacteria go, thank you, you've got your ticket, you know? Oh, okay. Hmm. We recognize you. We're going to hide away. And you want to, you take all the good bacteria, you take them with you because we just want to be hanging out with ourselves. We're the cool kids. Yeah. So they hold a memory, just like if you go to the gym and you're pumping iron, right? And then you know, you're like, this doesn't work anymore. So you increase the weight and then you're like, oh, hello, lactic acid. You're back. Right. And you feel good. You feel like you've done something at the gym, same thing in the gut. So what happens is they take the ticket and they're like, thank you. I remember you. Here comes the antibiotics. Oh, what happens? The strength, the time or the type have to change now because the more we insult and then they build up more memory, more memory, more memory. So this memory in how I like to describe it is now a biofilm. They have a shield. Not only do they know the strain and the type, they know how long to hide out. Because it's probably real smart. If you're not pooping or you're not having bowel movements, because those daily bowel movements don't mean that they're not from the food seven days ago. So if that's happening and we're allowing that culture and we're feeding them because we're eating a lot of those disaccharides or those simple sugars or the things that can't break down properly. Standard North American diet. Like when we are eating a standard North American diet of boxed foods, granola bars, protein bars, like it doesn't just have to be, um, you know, we have clients coming in saying, oh no, I eat really healthy. No, I, I eat really healthy. But then when we dissect what they've been eating, they're not actually eating really healthy. They're eating really sugary protein bars and they're having pro- uh, protein powder with lots of sugar in it. You know, they're buying like boxed foods that are, you know, even the people that are like, oh, I don't eat gluten. Okay. But are you leaning on really heavily processed gluten-free foods, which is full of corn and simple sugars and things that is just going to be feeding the overgrowth in your gut? Because right. we see time and time again that we were unknowingly feeding that overgrowth in your gut, even if you're eating that, you know, air quote, healthy diet. Yeah. 
And uh, right now, a client went to the hospital, had a bacterial overgrowth. You know, one of the first thing they said to her is, you know what? We want you to start eating simple carbs. I'm like, (laughs) you and I are like, oh, don't do it. Um, can we start with some liquids and can we start with this? And I'm giving it, you know, and of course they're very receptive because they understand how we work and that we're there to, you know, very support them. But these antibiotics at the end of the day, kill the good and the bad. So now we do also have an opportunity to repopulate. And yes, our probiotics come in handy at that point. This is where you can utilize probiotics is helping to reinstate and reestablish the good bacteria in the gut instead of just allowing all the bad stuff to set up shop and take over. So here's another connector. When we look at the antibiotics, because doesn't this sound really good? I'm going to take antibiotics. Chris and Katie just said it's going to wipe out everything. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take probiotics because I'm going to do that either. And I'm good. I'm going to have the best of both worlds. Yeah. You can't have the best of both worlds with antibiotics. And what I also find is we have so many clients that take antibiotics long-term. And I think we need to define what is long-term antibiotics. Anything longer than a 10 to 14 day course of antibiotics is long-term. And we have clients who've taken antibiotics for one month, three months, six months, a year. I remember we had a client a few years ago, she had been on antibiotics for over five years, five years taking an antibiotic every single day. What do you think that did to the health of her gut? Mm Mm-hmm. And that was not a here, take a probiotic. That was not a here, take a probiotic. All your issues are solved because mm-hmm. when we're looking at the gut health, not only do we now have an overgrowth, but we've just contributed and caused leaky gut. Now leaky gut has been a little more popular probably in the last like four to five years, I'd say. And it's mm-hmm. a slang term for intestinal permeability. Now leaky gut occurs is when we start throwing stuff that irritates the crap out of our gut. Think the processed food, pesticides in our food, um, chemicals in our water, antibiotics, alcohol, literally anything you're consuming is can be having an impact on the health of your gut lining. So when we get into the gut and that gut lining of ours starts to get irritated, the tight cell junctions in the wall, in the, in the gut start to pull apart and they allow undigested food particles and toxins and microbes and things that shouldn't be there. They allow it into the bloodstream. And guess what happens there? Now we're dealing with systemic body-wide inflammation, which is then leading to acne. And we'll also see other symptoms pop up like food intolerances. How many times do we hear people say, oh, you know, um, I can't eat X, Y, and Z foods because it just flares my skin. So I, I need to, I need to just stop eating those foods. Sure. We need to stop eating those foods, but if we take it one step deeper, you need to be repairing your gut lining because you shouldn't be having food intolerances to an apple or to whatever it may be. I always ask clients, why, why, why do you need to, well, I'm having that reaction. Why? And they're like, uh, because I can't tolerate why (laughs) it's like, because I want them to be a part of this process. Understanding that's one of our things, right? Is I, I, I always feel that if we've just cleared a client's skin that we failed them, I want every client that leaves us to have life skills that they can take with them, that they understand how their body works, that they feel so empowered in their health and their body that they know what to do when it comes to their own body. So we're big on teaching the whys of things. And if you guys didn't remember for our, from our intro podcast, uh, Chris also teaches at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. If, if you couldn't 
figure that one out, but she is a teacher and she loves any opportunity to teach a client. She will take it. Katie's like, give me the cliff note version, Chris. (laughs) I'm like, well, (laughs) and Chris is like, I'm going into teach mode. Let me ask some questions. Let's break it down. But that's the thing. You have to be a part of your process. And that is what's really big. I always say this, and you know this, Katie, if I didn't resonate with the way you deliver your program, the the understanding, the the up-leveling, the over-delivering, the the sustainability model, because that was first right in, what, well, what's your goal? Well, I don't know what's your goal. You know, we're just kind of knowing each other. Boom. Sustainability, hook, line, and sinker. Sustainability for your health, because it's not just about taking a probiotic and eating salads for a month. Like, when you are working on clearing up your acne, this is a chronic issue for you. It's going to take some lifestyle habit shifts. You're going to have to change some things that you're doing and adopt that clear skin lifestyle. That doesn't mean you can never go out and have a glass of wine on the weekend. You can absolutely create that balance for yourself after you've done the steps of working through helping the body self-repair. So let's use a zipper example. Yes. Love the zipper example. So let's use the liber- So you're doing up your jacket. And it kind of, you know, it gets stuck and you pull it. And now you have a bit of an opening. The bottom is completely closed. Top is completely closed. And you have this little tiny opening. This is that permeability of the gut. So that gut junction cannot close right now. So, of course, if you're going out in minus 40, yeah, that area has an entrance now into your body. So that weather is going to make you colder. Or your food particles that should not be in your bloodstream, only the nutrients have free reign. So we have to now go, okay, well, we push down the zipper and we push down the zipper and we push down the zipper. And now we're just creating a muddled mess because it's not going back in. So it's like, now we have to figure out how to get the zipper to rejoin the teeth so that we can get it all the way down. You know, most people, and I call their acne journey, most people try and wiggle their way out of their jacket. They try and, you know, pull their arms out. They're ripping at it. They're trying to get the bottom part out. Yeah, duct tape over. That that would be me. I'm like, listen, I got to get the dog out. Let's just put duct tape. (laughs) Let's put the duct tape on it. But yeah, it's in, I, I, I always blame society for this is we've been, been conditioned by society that there is a, a pill for every ill. You just need to take a, a pill and magically everything goes away. Well, essentially that's just putting a band-aid over it. The issues are still there and we're saying right. themselves. But right. also we live in this instantaneous society. I want everything now. My Amazon Prime better be here in six hours. If my Uber Eats is longer than 10, I'm having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like we have created an instantaneous society. And now that's caused our mindset to relay into our health. But when it comes to your health, that's not an instantaneous thing. You can't just start eating better. And in three weeks, all of your chronic issues have gone on. Something I always say, and I repeat, like, get out my soapbox. I need a billboard is the current state of your health is a result of everything that has happened to you from conception up until now. So if we have a 35 year old that comes in with tons of acne, they've been, you know, had a few kids, they were on the birth control for five to 10 years, you know, lots of antibiotics as a childhood, they've, previously had really painful periods. We have to rewind. Okay. When did your first set of symptoms start? If we rewind all the way back and they're like, Oh, I've been feeling like, you know, not so great since I was 13. So you've got what 22 ish years, give or take 
of damage and accumulation that's happened in your body. And we're not going to be able to work through that in four or five short weeks of eating better. Like it's going to take some time. Like, I think we really need to remind people that when you are repairing from the ground up, it is not a short journey. You need to be giving yourself months. And in some cases, when we're looking at clients with very complex health histories, they can be taking 18 months to two years to clear up their skin. Oh, for sure. And that doesn't mean that going into a program, you might get that clear skin in, I don't know what people offer, three, four, six, 12 months. What it means is, again, back to sustainability. It's giving the client the model. The tools that you need to start allowing the body to self-repair. Giving them the program so that they can access when they have it and they leave. Having the coach in there daily and available so that when they have those quick questions, they can ask them. As clients start merging and they've been with me for like three or four, the questions start to get lower and lower, less amount. Let you know, but this is new. Crease yourself some time to learn. You have been told that this model works, you have been told that pharmaceuticals work, you have been told that this over-the-counter is going to work. You have spent copious amounts of money, thousands and thousands on all of this. And where did it get you? With us. So allow us to guide and nurture and just go in and help this model with the bowels and the stomach acid and the digestion and the food pairing and combining and the supplements to help and that you know could also be aiding in it monitoring your symptoms, guiding you so that you understand what's happening in your body. And heck, ask me why. I tell my clients all the time, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, no, no. Ask me why. And why are we doing this? And I think why that's are we really doing important. this, Chris. Well, no, you're the expert. Okay, granted. But I want you to understand because the next time you go to the doctor or the next time you go to do something or pick up that that box of 100% natural, you're going to say, why? And as soon as we ask the brain the question, the brain engages and starts searching for all the information and pulls it for you. So let's get the brain working for us. So yeah, that the bowels and the stomach acid and the overgrowth and the leaky gut and chewing your food and having poops all interconnected. Absolutely. I know we went on a bit of a tangent. We talked on a bunch of different things. So I want to do kind of a summary of what we talked about, link it all together for everybody listening, and then talk about some actionable tips that they can take away from this, that they can start working on improving their gut health. So when we go back, we know that we need to be focusing on digestion, ensuring that we're having a healthy bowel movement every single day, smooth, long, snake-like movement, no straining, passes easily and fairly quickly within a few minutes. That allows us and feels good. You're like, you leave the bathroom being like, yes, that was amazing. That made my day. Right. When we're pooping really well, that's allowing us to absorb our nutrients, giving the body the fuel that it needs to repair and to run. Because if you're not absorbing your nutrients, like let's say the, you know, the healthy fats and your fat soluble vitamins, vitamins that are going to be involved in that hormone production, guess what? Your hormones are going to be struggling because it doesn't have the nutrients it needs in order to properly produce and regulate. So we can see that every area of the body is so reliant on the nutrients it's receiving from the 
food in order to work properly. And then we can be looking at what's going on with our stomach acid and our digestive enzyme function. Are we able to physically break the foods down in, in order to absorb those nutrients? Is there a specific type of overgrowth of a candida, maybe a SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Do we need to go in and clean house and rebalance the microbiome and flush the overgrowth out? Then we need to be looking at repairing the gut lining. Because if our gut lining, you know, leaky gut, it gets its name because you can essentially think of your gut as like a colander, like a strainer that you go to strain your pasta in. That's what's happening in your gut. So we need to go in and start repairing all of those little holes to repair the integrity of your gut lining. So we're reducing that inflammation, getting rid of the food intolerances, and thus clearing up our acne. So when we talk about gut health, we're not talking about taking a probiotic. We It could be absolutely a component to your protocol and what needs to be done, but it's a probiotic alone is not a end-all be-all. So Chris, let's dig into what really goes into repairing the gut and then go into some tips. All encompassing, you know, I have to go to stress first, right? Like we have a whole thing in there, but stress, stress, like responses, uh, traumas, all of those things, internal, external environment. But when we're going into that gut, not only do we have lifestyle factors and I say factors, not only do we have those that encompass dietary and maybe exercise, you know, maybe some clients can't exercise because their adrenal panel is just a little bit too much, right? We're doing all the assessments, but at the end of the day, when we want to go in and look at repairing that leaky gut, that inflammation, we have to do the opening filters first, right? We have to make sure that we can no longer allow the body to use the skin as its vent. How often are you going to call your best friend and vent before they're just like, oh, I'm not picking up because all she does is complain, right? That's where the rest of the body system comes in. So yes, food. Yes. Is it the end all be all? No. Yeah. That's a good point is we also hear, oh, I've tried the whole healthy eating thing. It didn't clear up my skin. So it's not going to work for me. Here's the thing. Food is the foundation for some. It may, for some, it could clear up their skin by, you know, not eating all of the high glycemic sugars and all of that. Mm -hmm. But here's the but in the majority of cases that we work with, it's not food alone that's causing their acne. Food is the foundation that we build everything else from. Like we have to be having, you know, a really great anti-inflammatory diet where we're eating lots of foods that naturally reduce inflammation in the body. We're avoiding the foods that promote inflammation in the body. And then from there, we can be tailoring it to the individual because for every client, their journey is going to look different. That's why, you know, sometimes in my DMs, I'll get, Hey, Katie, like what supplement should I take to repair my gut? I don't know. I don't know your case file. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you need an L-glutamine, if you need a slippery elm, if you need a probiotic, if you need a probiotic, which strain of probiotics do you, do you need? Cause there's hundreds of different strains for different issues. We don't want to be taking a specific strain that's formulated for diarrhea if you have constipation, because that's just going to lead to a whole slew of issues. So this is why there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to gut health, because it's going to be very dependent on the individual and what's required. I always say, we eat to live. We don't live to eat. How often do we say, we hear, well, how am I going to go out? And how am I going to enjoy myself? And how am I going to get through this if, you know, Everything's just ruined. 
No, we need to eat to live. And that's essentially what you're saying. The foods that come in, we need to be able to extract their vital nutrients so that we can sustain energy, ATP. We can thrive on that. And then the body doesn't have to work so hard. So when the body has to work hard, hello, gut. You know, if you are sitting there and you're trying to work through your lunch, you can't be in two nervous systems at once. So you are not digesting. Right. Because that's the thing is if we look at some entry-level tips, because there's lots of like, there were some tips we can give you right now to help you free. These are some free things you can start doing right now to start getting your gut in a healthier spot. Are they going to resolve all your issues? Most likely not, but they're putting you on the path. So this is where we need to start with chewing. So number one, as we want to be chewing well, digestion begins in your mouth with your teeth breaking down the food and your saliva releasing enzymes to break the, that food down. Your food should be at a pace-like consistency by the time you swallow it. It's not chomp, chomp, swallow. My gut's going to break down that hunk of steak I just swallowed. It should be basically a pace when it hits your gut. And then when we're eating, we don't want to be eating in a stressful situation. And just because you're on your computer answering an email or whatever, your body doesn't know it's not a stressful state. When you're on technology, you're watching something, you're in an argument with somebody, you're stressed, whatever it may be, when you're not eating in a relaxed setting, guess what that does? That shuts down your digestive process because your body thinks we're trying to run from a saber-toothed tiger. Not safe to digest, not safe to digest, don't do it. Not going to produce the stomach acid. We need to save our energy to run from the tiger because so much energy is spent in the body on digestion. So eating in that relaxed setting can make a really big difference. So if we're chewing and we're eating on a relaxed setting, now from there, Chris, what would be the next two tips? Oh, but you stole my favorite ones. You I know, I love those too. I was like, I'm going to steal the chewing and the relaxed setting because I think those are such overlooked things for acne. They're like, nah, I don't need to chew well and eat in a relaxed setting. I have acne. There's no way. But remember, your digestion is relying on this. Okay, so I'm going to add water. Mm-hmm. Right? Clean, filtered water. Absolutely. Constipation suffers. We need water to have bowel movements. That is one of the very last processes. We need water. Water goes more than just hydration. It goes into your cellular cavity. Your heart, every organ needs water. This podcast needs water because I'm expelling it. So we don't put it back in. And there was a statistic. I know it's an old one. I think it's from 2009. It said 42% of the population is chronically dehydrated. I saw one just recently. It says 95% of the population is dehydrated and chronically. Chronically dehydrated. Chronically. If, you're, if your lips are chapped, if they have, and a lot of people can't see this, but you know, like my, I see colors that people don't see, I guess. If your lips are blue or bright, bright red, right? And they're not, you haven't been in the sun, these types of things. Look at increasing your water. Look at doing it around meals, not with meals. So those are free tips right now for for digestion. I don't even know, Katie, if we want to go into more than that, because if we, those are big deals, chewing your food, honestly, that, that act itself takes about two weeks to master. Chewing your food well, eating a relaxed setting, 
making sure you're hydrated, but not drinking with meals. Because again, we find that those that have big digestive issues by drinking a ton of water, you're just further diluting your stomach acid and impairing your ability to digest that food. So that's why for our clients, we really like to see them drink their liquids at least 30 minutes away from the meal. So they're not impeding that. And then from there, of course, eating more fiber, like just having more fiber in our day. And remember, fiber doesn't just come from rice and like breads and pastas and all of those there's fiber and fruits and vegetables. Like you can be having a great source of fiber in raspberries, in avocado, in so many fruits and vegetables have great sources of fiber. So if we can be aiming for that 35 to 45 grams of fiber per day, which is yes, higher than the recommended 25 on the good old government food period. Food period. <laughs> but if, I like to say that with a cringe. You can't see me, but I'm cringing when I said food pyramid is if we can be getting into that 35 to 45 grams of fiber range, this is going to be really great because remember another way that your body is flushing excess hormones like estrogen, there is that favorite word, estrogen, it goes up through your poop. And if you're not eating enough fiber, that estrogen is not going to be able to find an exit through your stool. Because if we back this back up a little bit, Guess what's responsible for manufacturing, regulating, and metabolizing so many of your hormones? What's the answer, Chris? I'm going to go with liver, but you're going to go with gut. I'm going to go with gut. <laughs> and they're both. But I'm both. Just, because I'm like, um, well, that's trick because if we're talking about the metabolic seed. I go into geek mode, right? But absolutely gut. Your gut is actually home to something called your estrobolum, which is a unique subset of microbes involved in the metabolization of your estrogen. So if your gut isn't in tip-top shape, guess what else isn't going to be in tip-top shape? Your hormones. So this mm-hmm. is why when we see clients saying, oh, I have hormonal acne. I just, I need you to, I need a dim supplement. I need Vitex. Like I need something for my, for my hormones. And we're like, well, that's just giving you another bandaid. If we just give you a period gummy or hormone balancing supplement without going after your gut and liver first, you're doing the same thing you would with a medication and just slapping a bandaid over it to manage your symptoms. You're not getting to the root of why there's the hormonal acne because hormonal acne almost always leads back to poor gut health and poor liver function. Yeah. And how do you expect your liver to do this? Right. So that's what I really love about your fiber comment is because that cellulose, cellulose is a gentle broom that gets in there and helps, you know, it also, you know, when there's cellulose, hemicellulose, it can feed our beneficial bacteria. So when we say, please increase your fiber, that's why it helps balance your blood sugar. So you're not craving so much for these you know, these sugarly foods and the microbiome, the opportunistic bacteria, when they send signals to your brain, because you're having a balanced meal, what do you want 20 minutes after your meal? Sugar. Sugar. If we can get foods like your vegetables and like your fruits and all those beautiful things, they also hold water. So do you see how fiber now, you can get four cups of water from your food. So fiber is, now we have that cellular hydration, we have the water, we have the nutrients, we have the bulk for the stool, hollow gut health. I wasn't even going to go there because I was like, okay, we already gave them the chewing or whatever, like fiber is just, fiber is a podcast. Oh, fiber is its own podcast. Water is its own podcast. Like We could literally talk for hours on water alone. 
Like we will in the future be breaking down all of these topics. We just wanted to do an overarching all on the gut health. Now, obviously being nutritionists, you and I, Chris, Mm -hmm. we talk food a lot. So when we're talking about, let's dig into gut loving foods and gut hindering foods. Trans fats. Like I have to go there kind of first. We gotta, but yeah, let's start with the bad and we'll finish with the good. Yeah. I, we have to start with the bad because you know why it's what we want. It's what we crave. It's we all want it. every drive through. You want to know what I thought was quite funny is like, I haven't eaten fast food in well over a decade at this point, but I was um, going grocery shopping the other day. And you know, when you walk by the fast food restaurant and you smell the waft of the friedness, I was like, mm, shucks, that smells good. So even me, like being a nutritionist at this point who doesn't eat gluten, dairy, and sugar, I was still like, oh man, that smells pretty tasty. But it's always the foods that we want that are the ones that are bad for us because these chemicals, they've essentially created an addiction based on the synthetic chemicals they're putting into these foods that really trick our brains into wanting it. Like a big one is of course, MSG. MSG is in so many things and it really tricks us into being addicted to that food. Yeah. And when you're looking at your ingredients, here's another little nugget. Look at monosodium glutamate. They are not going to put MSG. They're not going to abbreviate it. We're smarter than that now, right? The society is like, Hey, hello, MSG. No, thank you. You know where MSG hangs out? Children's foods. So no wonder let's even go back to the eighties when all of the TV dinners and everything were coming out and that's before MSG was even regulated, but what's happening. You just have to put the chemical name. People don't clue in children's foods, get it. And now we have those clients inside the clear skin solution because they were eating like that. We didn't know better. No, like growing up in the eighties, nineties, like that's where there was tons of MSG, tons of box food, And it was everywhere. Like I, what did I pick up the other day? I was at the grocery store to curiosity. Oh, like, I think it was a bag of like some type of chips, lays or ruffles. I can't remember. Sure enough, monosodium glutamate. So we're creating a, like a little world of food addicts as children. Like they go after the kids because then you get customers for life. So when we're looking at those foods to really be, you know, pulling back from because they're impacting our gut gut is going to be the things on the inside aisles of the grocery store. These are your chips, your cookies, like the processed, heavily refined carbohydrate foods packed with sugar, packed with refined flours and all of that is going to have a massive impact on the health of your gut. Also, we're going to be seeing this in really pesticide heavy food. So if you have it in your budget to be buying more food organically, using the environmental working group to go and look at the dirty dozen that's not in your budget. Try growing your own food. If you don't have you know, space for a garden, use containers on your balcony. Dr- join a, a community garden anywhere that you can try to have a little bit more control over what's being sprayed onto your foods because they have a really big implication into your gut. And then, of course, the one that everyone gets so upset when we say, Chris, that's their beloved alcohol. They're like, please, no, I need my bottle of wine on the weekends. Well, guess what? This is really not doing your gut any favors. It's not doing your gut any favors. I mean, your liver has to metabolize it. If your liver's already sluggish because your gut isn't happy because we've had that perpetuating issue since even childhood, let's say, then what the heck's going on? So if we can't metabolize it and some ethnicities don't have the enzyme. Mm-hmm. 
to break down. So we can get facial flushing, you know, that hangover. Hangover doesn't always mean dehydration. That says, hello, my body can't do this. And it's a state of shock. Please help me. And now what are we going to do? So now what's the body going to do? The body is now in repair mode. Well, it's actually putting out the fires. It's not even in repair mode. It's putting out the fires. So how are you going to be in repair mode? You know, you can't be fixing up the house if the house is burning down. Mm -hmm. So with the alcohol, I mean, yeah, there's sugars and there's sulfites. And let's even beyond that, because I think that's pretty standard now. Everyone knows that. Beyond that, you can get the good, good, great quality. It still spikes the the adrenaline-like behaviors, can still spike your sugar, can still feed the opportunistic bacteria, but essentially it just causes that inflammation and the inflammation drives everything. So it creates a stress, stress causes inflammation, inflammation causes gut distress, and then the whole body. So where do we put the plug? You know, I can't come into your life and, and plug it at stress, but I can give you the tools so that we can isolate what stressors are there so that the insults stop. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're looking at those individual food triggers that are going to be really hindering our gut health, we've got our trans fats, our refined vegetable oils, alcohol, refined sugar, all the fun stuff essentially is what we're saying. On the other hand, let's now go through all the foods you can't eat because I think this is a really big misconception when people are like, I can't, I, what do you mean I can't eat those things? Well, like what's left to eat then? Mm. Where I say with all, things. with all of the love. There are thousands upon thousands of foods outside of your boxed commercialized food. Like, how do you think the human race has sustained themselves for all of these, you know, years, tens of thousands of years before commercialized grocery stores? We ate real food. It's only been in what the last 100, 150, maybe 200 years where we've had that heavy processed food in our diet. There's tons, thousands of fruits, vegetables, proteins, whether you're eating animal proteins, you're eating plant-based, you know, there's so many wonderful foods out there that just because you can't have that standard North American diet does not mean you're going to starve to death. So Chris, what would you say are some of your favorite gut loving foods? I love lettuce, like romaine lettuce. She's going like real old school. I was like, there's so many fun food. And she's like, I like lettuce. No, you want to know why I like lettuce? Because not only does it have chlorophyll in it, which helps purify the blood, it has water in it. It's also cellulose and hemicellulose. So we're getting immune support and we're also getting the gentle broom brush for the poop. Lettuce is one of those beautiful nutrients that if we have underactive stomach, if we have acid and GERD and and all of these things, if we have if we, if, if, and if it's one of these very encompassing foods that does a multiverse, we don't have to just eat like a rabbit and it's boring. My gosh, throw your seeds, hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, like avocado. I love putting like, put some raspberries up on there because raspberries are a great source of fiber to help with your bowel movements. Avocado is another great gut food you know, making your own salad dressing with extra virgin olive oil, like how good of a food is extra virgin olive oil for your gut and even your liver? Oh yeah. I love it. Right. It is beautiful for everything. It's lower. It's anti-inflammatory for sure. 
But that's why I like lettuce. I know it sounds boring, but that's the thing is because we have all these box foods and I brought it up purposely is because lettuce is boring. Exactly. People are like, oh, lettuce is boring. It's not doing anything for me. Yeah. In the winter, guess what? I'm not a lettuce fan. When it no. gets war- when it gets warmer, yeah, we need more water. That's a great way to get it in. But these are free tips so that you can start shifting your mm-hmm. microbiome by adding lettuce. Shred it up. Fine. Have a plate of I'm omnivore. So have a chicken dinner and, um, you know, do fun. Th- okay. Here's something fun, Katie. Here's something. Er, let, let's push it aside. Here's fine. Tabletop nachos. Mm, pay, I know Chris, Chris talks about these tabletop nachos, like all of the time. And I'm like, what are you inviting me for dinner? I want to have tabletop nachos. Ever think about that? So we have the, we have the best of both worlds. We go out, we buy Katie, you and I Hashimoto's celiac, right? People think we eat cardboard. Um, but we go out and we buy those chips that are okay for us. So for me, um, you know, being celiac, having autoimmune disease, I'm really careful with what grains that I eat. So I always try to opt for more grain freestyle, like more of a paleo-esque. That's what works for me and my body. So I love finding like a grain-free tortilla chip, like Siet is a really great brand that has a really lovely grain-free tortilla chip. Um, But the reason why we're bringing that up is because corn can be quite an inflammatory food for the body. Especially for me, for you with your microvilli not being happy. And for me, it's totally pro-inflammatory, but however, anybody with gut health, it doesn't mean you have to take it out forever, but if we go and we look at that tabletop nachos, let me map it out for you. Yeah. Let's not, let's map it out. Oh, you could also do like tabletop nachos with like a sweet potato, you know, what's the word? I just ruined it. Well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's what people are saying. I saw a baked sweet potato round. I was like, that would be fun. No, it is totally fun. And there's two variations for the cookbook that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's do the tabletop nachos. Okay, we're going to do a bit of convenience. So we're going to go and we're going to grab whatever brand it is that we prefer. I, like you, Katie, I'm not going corn, right? So I take a parchment paper and I put it in the center of the table. And then I put down the nachos. And then I take my romaine lettuce and I shred it so it's nice and thin. I'm going to either ground up my my ground beef, my ground turkey, or my chickpeas, because I use those two in between. And I'm going to season that with maybe my taco seasoning that is totally gluten-free and low inflammatory. It's got all these beautiful spices in it. I'm going to grab some tomatoes and olives, right? Hello, olives. Who doesn't love that healthy fat? Avocados, uh, red peppers. Whatever tickles your fancy at this point, we put it on there. Sometimes I will go and get fermented pickles and I will chop those up and put that on there as well. Yum. Then for a sauce, because I don't do dairy, dairy's not my friend, and nor for many acne sufferers, I take some hummus and I take some salsa and I mix it so it's liquidy and I drizzle it. And there is a tabletop nacho right there. Not so boring. Not so boring at all. Like when you really, like when you really get into eating healthy, you realize that it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be flavorless and tasteless. Like when you're using spices and herbs and citrus and adding that to your vegetables and your proteins, this is where you really liven up that flavor. I think, you know, anyone that grew up in the seventies, eighties, nineties, 
that was very much like a canned corn, canned watery peas. Like that stuff is gross. Like straight up, I feel you. That's not good. That is, I still, oh, I still have those beans out of the can. Oh, mom. canned beans. I like, I still have nightmares when I would see my mom have that on the counter and then they would microwave it. I'm like, Bruh. never, ever in life, never in life. That. But I, I think I've eaten canned. Oh. But if you, you know, go to your local farmer's market or wherever you get your produce from, get some lovely green beans, you saute that in your pan with a little avocado oil. Maybe you crunch some almonds on top and throw in some fresh garlic. Bam. You've got yourself a tasty little green bean. That's nothing like the like big green giant canned vegetables of the 80s and 90s. And this is all anti-inflammatory. And this is why I love giving examples because it's, you know, go buy a frozen bag of green beans, put it on a baking sheet, put it in the oven, then add those shredded, no, no, they're not shredded. What do they call? Oh, shredded coconut. Have you ever done that? Oh, I haven't. Shredded coconut on roasted green beans. Yeah. Mm, it has a very, yeah, just caution because we know when we put coconut in, it goes really quickly. So make sure it's almost done the process, but we can pizzazz whatever we need to pizzazz up. It's not boring. And that's why we love to give meal plans and recipes. Mm-hmm. Please try these because they don't taste like cardboard. You're not going to be eating nothing. We're going to really be pushing that, that poop train and that digestive inflammatory pathway to say, you know what, we don't need to go that way anymore. This is what we're going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the food, like I can completely appreciate how scary and overwhelming it can seem changing around what you eat to repair your gut. Cause like I said, I grew up in the nineties when it was fast food, everything like, you know, toaster strudels and pop tarts and chips and box pierogies. And like, I, my family actually used to call, call me carbo cake. Cause we would go out for dinner and I would order grilled cheese with French fries and a side of mashed potatoes with extra butter. My family was like, you, you don't eat vegetables. You only eat carbohydrates. I remember, um, eating salad once when I was in like early high school and like almost vomiting it up. Cause I thought it was so vile. Like this, oh. I didn't, I, Chris, like I literally didn't eat a vegetable or drink any water for like a solid 15 years. So for me now that I'm all of a sudden a nutritionist, my family's like miracles do happen where my palate has fully changed. Like when in the beginning, as I started to make these shifts, I realized that I had to find healthy substitutions for my favorite comfort foods. So, you know, me being a big fan of like fettuccine Alfredo and my Nana's lasagna, you better believe I went and created anti-inflammatory recipes for all of my favorite comfort foods so that I could still enjoy them. So that's why I highly encourage for any of our listeners, like check out on my blog, like the blog has hundreds upon hundreds of anti-inflammatory skin loving recipes that love up your gut, your liver and your hormones. So if you're ever wondering if you're like, oh man, I need a recipe, head over to the blog and check it out. Can I just come over for that lasagna? Oh yeah. It's killer. Like I, it's my, I made it for the, my kids on the weekend and Frankie, who's 18 months right now, demolished two adult size portions. Like, I don't know where it went in his little belly, but this kid like loved lasagna was in a fantastic mood after like just so happy he's fed the lasagna belly we're all good okay well i'll send you my schedule perfect all (laughs) right so let's finish off just you know it's run of some good other foods to love up for the gut so we got some avocados we got raspberries extra virgin olive oil fresh garlic added at the end of cooking to retain all the beneficial nutrients from the garlic 
ginger, fiber-rich foods, the fermented foods that are rich in natural probiotics. So we've got your pickles, your kimchi, your sauerkraut, your beet kvass, you know, um, coconut kefir, all of those lovely fermented foods. And remember, we want to be eating a variety of them because each type of fermented food is going to offer you different strains of beneficial bacteria as well. Any added fruits or vegetables or nuts, seeds that you want to add to the list, Chris? No, I think you, if it is whole foods, what about an 80-20% or 80-20, 80-20 rule, 80% whole foods. How does that look? No nutritional label. 80%, no nutritional, no, no, no. 20% go look for, you know, go down that green aisle or that healthier. And believe me, it doesn't really necessarily mean, but as you're learning, you're going to be doing the pantry swaps. You're going to be educating yourself. You're going to see how you feel better. Don't pull everything all at once. Please don't. Please don't. That's where the overwhelm comes. It gets overwhelming. And our motto in the Clear Skin Solution is many small steps make for one massive leap. So for me, when I started this journey 15 years ago, where my gut health was a mess, you know, my skin, my hormones, everything was a disaster. I didn't wake up one day and be like, you want to want tomorrow? I'm not eating these foods and I'm fully eating fruits and vegetables. That's where we're going. It's about small steps. So maybe for you, you know, you're like, oh, you want to what? I'm going to try and have one new gut food that they talked about in the podcast today. This week, I'm really going to try to have some more garlic, fresh garlic and more ginger. Slowly build upon these skills because it's those small steps that give you the really big shifts in your health. Yeah. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, don't lead with Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts now. Now, like thinking they about have to be cooked properly, right? Have to be cooked properly. I love sh- like cutting them really. If you, ha- if you um, just have a knife, cut them up really thin. You have a food processor, slice them real thin. Then I saute it with some avocado oil and garlic and a little bit of lemon juice. Mm. Mm. Check out shaved Brussels sprouts on the blog. See? Yeah. Not boring. Not boring. Or I love doing them in the air fryer. You can air fry some Brussels sprouts and those things will look pretty tasty. Yeah. I love Brussels sprouts. I will even take cabbage and I'll shave it down and put it into salads. And the kids will say, Oh, what was that? That tasted, what, what, what was, I was like, Oh, different lettuce. Heck no, I'm not telling you that's cabbage. Cause I'm going to go look for cabbage in the fridge is going to be gone. All the little white lies that moms tell their kids to eat certain oh, food. Yeah. I- I'm terrible at that. So right. long story short, anti-inflammatory 80, 20, Take all the free tips, take all the free applications, apply them, and you will you will see a difference, guaranteed. 